Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Ahoy! Thank you very much for joining us tonight. I hope you're all having a fantastic week and I hope the weather's being very generous to you wherever you are. It's lovely and warm here. Uh, just a little bit of breaking news before we go on. Essentially, Andy has now left the podcast. Um, he can't commit so much, so he'll be. Uh, he may appear on, you know, guest like uh, every now and again, I suppose. But essentially, he's left. So, unfortunately, that means you'll get a bit more of me. Big thanks to everyone that's listening. Obviously, if you've come across from the Paranormal UK Radio Network, don't forget to check out our back catalogue of uh, shows. For those who don't know, we go out on a, a monthly uh, radio show. Um, so some people listen to us there, but then they don't necessarily know that this is a podcast as well. Obviously, they get it monthly there. So, yep, yeah, check out. If you just go to your favourite podcast provider, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find us on there. Right, secondly, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's contacted me this week by email. I've had a few of you. Um, interesting conversations. And some of them were still getting to the bottom of. Uh, someone sent me like a UFO video and that's being looked at now. And hopefully we'll get, you know, we'll post it onto the hangout and, and stuff when we get that looked at. Um, Paulie uh, left an amazing review on iTunes. And it reads, Hi, I'm Paulie. I've been chatting to Lee on emails and he's a true gen. Thank you very much. Love the podcast. It gets me through the long days. My favourite has to be the Spirit Realm pod. That is such a good listen. Didn't switch off once. Highly recommend this podcast. Keep up the good work. See you on the Higher Realms, lads. Or if you're in Birmingham, perhaps a pub. Would love to attend a live event of yours. Well, hopefully we will be going to... Um, uh, Carrot Chase. Uh, which is just on the outskirts of Birmingham um, I think it's more Stafford way on I think but it's around that area so hopefully yes we will be there and if we are or I am and Aaron probably come with on that if we are then uh, yeah you're more than welcome to come and have a pint with us or a few or many 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 uh, on the night time anyway because we will be staying over so yeah so today's show is with Joshua Cutchin okay he's an author and his books take a different view on the paranormal uh, than what you'd expect. Uh, for instance, he's got one there about um, smells, you know, paranormal smells, this kind of stuff. You know, people say 
Um, it's called the Brimstone Deceit, and it's about just that, you know, where people smell these paranormal spells and they crop up every now and again. Brimstone being a, a good example, the sulfur and all that. So, interesting. So, if you enjoyed today's show, uh, you'll probably enjoy his book. So, I will leave the link in the uh, description. I'll also put it on the Hangout. So, you know, if you're interested, that's where it'll be. Um, consider this part one. I don't really want to call it part one, but considering it, get to know Joshua. Okay, so we have a chat with him here and we get to know him as a person, if you like, and and his views on different things. I think we'll have him back on again where we get a bit deeper into some of these books, uh, some of the stories from the books. Uh, but this is really like a get to know him kind of thing. I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Uh, really intelligent guy and very interesting. So I hope you enjoy it. At the moment, Joshua's suffering from a little bit of um, high anxiety and that. So wish him well. Um, most of, well, a few of you will know what that's like. I remember a few years ago, I was chatting to uh, Jessica from the Bitchcraft podcast. I don't think it's going anymore, but. We had a conversation about anxiety. Both of us suffer from it, and uh, you know, it's one of those things. Obviously, it's, you, you can't really control it. It's um, you know, it's annoying at times. You know, when, in a, when we we gave the example of the when you're in a shop, and um, the cashier will say like, um, "Oh, have you got the five p or whatever." And 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 you've got it in your pocket. And really, what you should say if you've got you know anxieties, you should say no. Just change that note I've given you. Um, but you don't, do you? They say, "Have you got the five p?" And you go, "Yeah, I think I've got it in my pocket." And then then you're trying to get out your pocket, and you stood there for ages, and you're fucking rustling around, and there's people all looking at you, and you can feel everybody's eyes on you, you start sweating, and you just think, "Why the why the fucking hell did I say yes? Why did I say yes?" So, you know, many examples of that. Um, you don't know when it's going to hit, but it does hit, and. Uh, Yes, this is weird. So hopefully, you know, Joshua's on the road to recovery there. Um, and we'll have him back on again. So let's get into that then. So I'll give you Joshua Kutchin. Have you had any paranormal, any stuff that's happened in your life that's brought you out, brought it up where you are now? You know, as you was growing up, do you have any, any paranormal activity? Something said, you know, there's something here, there's nothing, something's not right. So I was put you on the path where you are now. That's a really good question. Uh, you know, I feel like there's, so there's two ways that you fall into this. One is that you actually have something profound happen to you. And the other is something that uh, my good friend Gordon White mentions which is that you sort of goldilocks yourself into the position where you're like no there's something to this i fall mostly into the latter category uh i joke uh that i'm paranormal kryptonite you know we were talking off the air about tim renner i spent a week with tim uh for a conference at the end of april and we went to some of his favorite haunts uh and i just we really didn't have much of anything happen because i feel like i'm sort of paranormal kryptonite i I so most of what I've had happen, and I, I believe that anomalous things happen to all of us every day, and we write them off because you know you hear a strange sound and you don't hear it again. You said, "Oh, I guess it was just one of those things," yeah. or you catch something out of the corner of your eye and you say, "Oh, I guess it was nothing." Uh, so I think a lot of the, at least some of those, uh, really do fall into sort of a supernatural paranormal category. My most profound things uh, to 
keep it sort of brief because I don't want to take up the whole show with, with talking about it. But, uh, uh, it really started with, um, I would find, so my, my, my parents added on to their home when I was about five or six years old and my mother and I, especially, but also my father. And I've talked to both of them since, and it wasn't them who were doing this, but we would find, uh, stacks of four quarters, always, always four quarters, which, you know, in the U S is $1. <clears throat> um, like behind a dictionary that we hadn't pulled out in six months or, you know, at the top of a fridge that we hadn't looked at, we would find four quarters just in these odd little places here and there. And it was during that time that we were adding onto the house. And, you know, you know, that sort of makes sense in terms of the way that I think a lot of these phenomena, phenomena, (laughs) (laughs) phenomena, uh, a lot of these phenomena tend to gravitate towards periods of change. Uh, and that, that's sort of, you know, depending on your, your lens that either seems like, a sort of a faithful sort of phenomena or poltergeist phenomena. So that was really the sort of start of stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, that period, like, you know, where you get renovation in a house or something. Yeah. If you, if you go like, you know, you you do a a knockout through the basement and you open something up and it, you know, it's been there for many years and yeah, it releases again. That's, that's just breaking a a seal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. It's really strange, uh, you know. If it wasn't my, if it wasn't my folks doing it, which I have no reason to believe that, you know, thirty years later they'd still be, <laughs> you know, lying to me about it. If it wasn't my folks doing it, it had to be some sort of, you know, contractor that was breaking into the house <laughs> in the yeah, middle of the well, night, and you know, and deciding that maybe they'll pull out this dictionary. So, so that was that. That was sort of the first thing that I've ever had happen to me. And since then, uh, I've seen what I'm convinced was a uh the ghost of a young very young 13 or 14 uh civil war uh soldier at a site in the u.s that was a used as a hospital uh, during the american civil war because i saw him and nobody else did and it was just one of those things where i went up to my my the other people on the tour at the time and said did you see that guy and nobody else saw him so <laughs> either i'm crazy or i saw that guy and then I, I had a girlfriend who was very into, uh, you know, ghost investigations and uh, took me to Waverly Hills Sanatorium, Sanitarium, uh, which was uh, one of the prime hotspots for putting people in hospitalization for tuberculosis. Um, rumor has it that it's the site of the largest unmarked grave in the U.S., which I find, you know, put in perspective of the, the colonialism in the United States, I find that hard to believe, but yeah, at least, yeah. you know, the largest, the largest unmarked, unmarked white people grave, I yeah, guess yeah. <laughs> in the U S. Um, and I had some stuff happen there. The most profound thing was a door slammed open in my face. Uh, and by slammed open, I mean that like I was about as far, I was probably perhaps I was le- under 10 feet away from, from this door. And it was as if someone on the other side absolutely just kicked the door open, just slammed open in my face. So from completely shut, it's a big, heavy metal door from completely shut all the way to so open that it hit the wall and, you know, sort of bounced back a little bit. Just compl- like, like just a, again, like someone just absolutely kicked that open. Uh, and that was, you know, my, uh, you know, moment where I couldn't get the toothpaste back in the tube. And that was the most dramatic of a series of events that night that sort of had built up to that. And that was when I was like, Oh, was, <laughs> I guess there, you know, I guess there is something to this. Not that I was a disbeliever ever. Uh, you know, I've always entertained, uh, the possibility of, 
anomalous things. Uh, but uh, that was my moment where I, I really, you know, had a firsthand experience. Having said that, I am desperately looking. <laughs> I'm desperately looking for, you know, something else because I feel like that's what really is is lacking in my own personal, uh, in my own personal research and my own personal. Honestly, like it, I feel like there's a spark in my life that's been, you know, been taken away from me because I. Uh, don't have you know a site that I can go to regularly and look for uh, and look for anomalous things to happen and uh, you know most of most of my research is comparative literature it's going over old dusty books it's looking up obscure books and you know over interlibrary loan like I'm, I'm not really a field research guy but I'm really looking to get into that more because I just want more firsthand experience with this stuff yeah yeah I think we all do I think you know, when you see something, uh, you know, that's strange, I think it leaves a hole there, doesn't it? It obviously leaves a hole for, for answers. Uh, it leaves you with a lot of questions. Um, and like you said, you can read a lot, you know, as much as you want about this stuff, but to actually have it happen first hand is something, um, you know, you can't put that into words. It's a blast, isn't it? It's, Come it's, on, admit it, it's a blast. It, well, is it, I mean, it can it's, be, it's, isn't it's, it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a buzz, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I've... I mean, like yourself, Lee, and like me, you know, since I've been little, I've been psychic, I've, I've seen spirit all the time. You've seen a lot of UFOs, which I've I've never seen, but you've seen them. So it's a buzz, it's a blast, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got something out of it, you know, because not many people see what you see no. or experience what you experience. So it's a buzz, it's a wow, yeah, well, it's, in, you know? It's either exciting or it's it's you know it's either exciting or it's the most terrifying thing yeah, that's ever yeah, happened yeah. to you. I've, you know, I and, and the insidious thing for me is that you have these things happen in your life, and then the more time you put between yourself and what happened, the more you start to say, "I don't care who it is." Yeah, yeah. The more you start to say, "Did that really happen?" Yeah, going you know, did I? Yeah. And and you just yeah. If, I mean, especially I think if you are because I I actually admire open-minded skeptics mm. a ton and if you are you know if, if you're skeptical about things uh, and not always jumping to the most fanciful conclusion i think that time does you a real disservice because you do start to go well did i really experience that maybe i over exaggerated it even though it could have been the most profound thing that's ever happened to you in your life um so yeah i just i i i'm looking forward i'm looking for rather trying to make that happen more in my more in my life i just i, I i've got a I, I, I don't i'm not as good at the tim renner thing of networking and finding those out of place areas but yeah. I'm, I'm i'm starting i'm starting i'm finally I, starting in earnest i really feel so. that you know a lot of this is uh is uh, there's a lot of cultures that believe if you think about this uh, you know you almost give it energy i mean tulpas is a good example of this uh, but a lot of cultures all believe in like the shadow people if you if you think about them too much skinwalkers is another one yeah if you think about them yeah. too much or you, you sort of give them credence you give them energy you give them, and then you end up um running into them so sometimes i think it's just what's in maybe what's in your your consciousness is is maybe you maybe you see them more because you're thinking about it, so you never know. If you go into these places expecting to see it, then sometimes you might. But then you got that attraction call, the law of attraction, 
like that attracts like. Mm. You know, so obviously, shadow people. You take you know, you talk about shadow people. You're talking about them. You're are, are you creating them or or are they already here? possible? Are they feeding off the energy? Whichever way you energy, want to look at it. Of course. But, yeah, so so. You, so anyway, I wish you good luck with your endeavors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, you know, there, there's that thing where I mean. So someone who I admire greatly, I don't know if you've talked to him, uh, is Jeff Ritzman, who sort of has a, a formula for, you know, engaging with the anomal, anomalous. He sort of – he says that when he tells people to do this and they actually follow through, it's like a 60% plus success rate with actually seeing something strange. But it all involves going out <clears throat> to an isolated place and thinking about, you know, big life issues, you know uh, – in the evening for a period of several weeks and really randomizing your time. So you get that sort of anti-structural thing in there, but he always has this caveat when he talks about this, he says two things. He says, what you think you'll see is not what you're going to see. So if you want to see a ghost, you're probably going to see a UFO. And if you want to see a UFO, you're probably going to see a ghost or, you know, a fairy or something. And the other thing he says is that, uh, there's something about this that wants your, the stability of your life. It wants, something it, 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 that's that's the sacrifice that you you know sort of lay at the feet of this thing mm. is you know it wants your stable relationships it wants your stable job it wants your stable lifestyle it wants something and that's just the idea of how how sideways that could go kind of terrifies me so i'm sure that's part of the you know it's part of the reason why i i haven't you know done a full deep dive yet but i i do need a shot in the arm uh for the sort of thing to really you know encourage me that i you know no this stuff actually does exist <laughs> yeah 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 well I, I you know i do think i think he's onto something there for sure because you, you you do see that you know people's lives sometimes fall apart don't they from stuff like this so maybe there is some sort of offering there but getting on getting on to offerings i was going to ask you about um this trojan feast so we 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 hear stories, and obviously, I had a personal experience with what I call a fairy. Now, um, the traditional idea, of, well, traditional idea of a fairy, um, <laughs> and obviously, this this creature offered me a, a drink, um, which I didn't take, thankfully, or or not I wisely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah. it might have been better, might have gone down, but um, yeah, but I didn't take it. And I noticed in your book, you you mentioned Sasquatch uh, in in with this, so. Would this be people making offerings to the Sasquatch or, or the other way around? I mean, how does that tie into this? Well, both ways. So that's sort of what really got me involved with the sort of uh, supernatural paranormal phase of my life was, you know, I've always had sort of a, a peripheral interest in these things. But I was reading a really well-written book, which I – have <laughs> the guy should start paying me because every every interview that I have I plug his book. Um, <laughs> it's called a uh, it's called Raincoast Sasquatch by J. Robert Alley, and it's a very sober, very thoughtful look, uh, looking at some folklore, but mostly sightings along uh, the northern coast of North America, all the way up through Alaska, of Bigfoot sightings. And there was a mention in that particular book of a belief, I believe it was among the Tlingit people of the Kushtika, sort of, no, it's the Bukwis, not the Kushtika, the Bukwis, which was sort of their, that particular tribe's large, hairy, hominid analog, that, uh, that if you accepted food from the Bukwis, 
you would be trapped with the book was forever and eventually become a book was yourself. And for some reason, I really don't know why, but I've, I've always, you know, had that uh, notion of that food taboo that if you eat food or drink in fairyland, you'll be trapped there forever. For some reason that's really stuck in my head for a long time. And I read that and it, I just said, well, you know, somebody will come along and write a book taking a look at this comparatively. And no one did. And then I said, okay, I guess I'll do it. And then, you know, ever since then I can't be employed by a regular employer. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, they, they Google you and you're like, oh, you're a crazy person. Um, but uh, um, you don't see that particular motif crop up as often in, in modern day sightings. No. But you do find things that, and again, I just, with my book with Tim, I've written about, right now, I keep on adding to this chapter, it's about an 11,000 word chapter on, you know, the similarities between Bigfoot and and the good people. Um, Just looking at sort of the comparisons there, and there is a strong comparison to be made between the way that people interact with you know, Bigfoot, especially in North America and the way that people interact with, uh, with the Fae folk in, in the old world. Um, I'm specifically thinking of, of this, this real trend amongst people who call themselves habituators, who are people that claim that Bigfoot lives on their property. And, you know, despite, (laughs) despite having lived with Bigfoot for five years, they don't have any photographs, which is another topic for conversation. But, but, uh, but you know they, they claim to have had multiple interactions with these creatures, and they will often leave behind food, and uh, you know apples, uh, you know uh, crackers smeared with peanut butter, and in exchange they'll get you know smooth river stones or like bird feathers and stuff. And this sort of this sort of interaction, this uh, this this giving and taking, I, I think has a strong resonance with with uh you know the, the 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 folklore that you find in especially celtic countries but you know just any any sort of indigenous uh, folklore involving fairies worldwide and uh even perhaps even more compelling is is the fact that just as in those older narratives if you denied or forgot to leave uh, something out for the piskies or the brownies or the, you know, you know whatever whatever particular uh, aspect of fae folklore you want to you know dive into. If you forgot to leave something out, they would come after you. They they'd make parts of your life hell, and that's something that you see resonate time and again in Bigfoot folklore. Um, for for example, there was a story that. I mentioned in uh, a Trojan feast about somebody who uh, had to go to the hospital and they were sort of habituating with Bigfoot, supposedly again, I'm, I'm a little bit agnostic on this, these sort of stories, but they were habituating with Bigfoot and they were leaving behind, you know, leave, they were leaving out bits of peanut butter and they were leaving behind fruit. And they had like this sort of, you know, stone in the woods that they were leaving stuff on, which is essentially an altar. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they, they were leaving stuff behind the air. And this particular person went to the hospital for an extended period of time. And when he came back, even though he had people looking after his livestock, uh, overnight, supposedly his livestock had all been killed. And the assumption was that it was a bit with Bigfoot, but that sounds like a narrative straight out of fairy lore as well. 
you know, the idea that, that they feel spurned by you not leaving stuff out for them. You know, the, 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 the good, the good people were either your best friends or your worst friends, depending on, you know, they got to either be super helpful or super, <laughs> super, uh, problematic. And I've, I've heard a bunch of different variations on that story. Um, and, uh, I think that everyone involved in anomalistic studies ignores fairy lore, uh, at their own peril because it's, I'm not saying it, it has a correct grasp on what is happening with the supernatural, but it is a very parsimonious approach. It's, it's, it has an internal consistency that, uh, continues to resonate through a lot of paranormal activity today. Again, does it really mean that there are tiny little people, you know, tiny little people doing things and running around and living in holes? I don't know, but I know that the folklore is accurate to what people continue to see. And I know that there's again, that internal consistency there that I think people really ignore at their peril. And that's, you know, part of, the book that I'm doing with, with, with Tim Renner is, is looking at, you know, at least one chapter is looking at how uh, fairy lore can be used to explain a lot of the things that people find completely bewildering about Sasquatch. Mm. We see the parallels between, um, you know, a good fairy encounter and an alien abduction, for example. Um, we've had, also we've had stories what people tell us as well about, you know, uh, people getting abducted. And on the craft itself, a Bigfoot, the same Bigfoot on the craft, yeah. you know, while being abducted, you know, they were on the table. Absolutely. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, yep. You know, so there's been, I don't think that's um, rubbish. There's so many accounts, people are saying it over and over again, aren't they? Yeah, it seems re- it's been repeated for, for centuries now. And yeah. you, you got you got to think there's, there's something to that, um, to some extent. Well, th- that's what bothers me about the current trend. I don't know. I get the impression that it has not even made, you know, even a, even a slight splash in the water overseas, but most of American ufology is all tied up into this, to the stars Academy of yeah, arts and yeah. sciences yeah, thing, yeah. I know. which is an absolute quagmire. And what really is bothering me is that the dialogue has shifted away from metaphysics. It shifted away from those those th- those weird things that you, if you're going to be intellectually honest, you have to engage with, like Bigfoot on a spaceship. Um, because, you know, I, I personally don't think it's literally Bigfoot on a spaceship, but I don't think that people are lying about that sort of thing either. But, um, you know, there's this there's this push back towards it being all completely, you know, nuts and bolts, little green men and, you know, flying saucers coming down to, to catch and release human beings. That I've seen a lot of American ufology, and it's uh, it's 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 a bit bothersome because, as you mentioned, like that's not. Look, I don't I don't like how messy the idea of someone saying that Bigfoot, like they they got taken up into a flying saucer and Bigfoot was there, and there was an alien named you know Gubu who showed them their past lives. I don't like how messy that narrative is. Yeah, yeah, but. But um, you talk to enough of these people and you realize that some of them are very earnest and there is a significant portion of them that are not mentally ill, Um, that they they even acknowledge how insane some of the stuff sounds. And I think you have to really if you're going to be intellectually honest, you can't toss out 
things that don't correspond to your own particular pet theory of what's going on. And I think that's a, that's a, a, that's where all people who are interested in this sort of thing should really like force themselves into. It's just like with religion. I mean, I, I identify myself as a Christian. Does Christianity have a lot of problems? Hell yes. And I don't do myself a service as, you know, an adherent of said religion by ignoring those. Uh, I, I, if, if I really want to try to find some way to reconcile that, I have to go, I have to go be a pilgrim in an unholy land. And I don't think people do that intellectually enough at all. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's the, the there's, <laughs> that's another chapter of the Bigfoot UFO thing. It's, you know, and, and, and I have, I have a hard time nowadays separating. So UFOs are their own thing. I think in some respects, but whenever there's a contact experience, I'm hard pressed to find one that doesn't have any resonance with fairy folklore. Um, and I think that's something that's also getting lost in a lot of the the dialogue on this side of the pond, um, because everybody has this sort of technology fetish that they're really trying to uh, endorse and really trying, like they're really excited about. And you know, to me, unless it's a close encounter of the second kind, I really don't care if <laughs> it's a light in the sky or a structured craft, whatever. Um, but to me, the, the the contact experience is really where the it's really where the rubber meets the proverbial road, so to speak. Um, and I think that's the most important part of all this. And I think that's the reason why, I mean, like, isn't that why we're doing this is because, you know, if, if there's just UFOs flying around, like that doesn't mean nearly as much to me as, you know, actual contact with uh, other entities. And I would strongly challenge anybody to show me an abduction event that doesn't have some sort of corollary with, uh, with the good folk, especially again, not exclusive to, because there's a lot of similarities cross culturally, but especially involving, uh, the, uh, the folklore of, of, you know, the British Isles and Brittany. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, I think that, uh, you've got to break down, you know, what UFOs, what are they? Are they the governments? Well, we don't know. We are, don't, they, that's the problem, high, uh, are they? I I can't see a highly advanced civilization coming here. <laughs> and we were talking earlier, weren't we, Lee, about cattle mutilations? Mm. Which I think is a lot of rubbish. Uh, but a highly um, civilized, uh, advanced civilization coming here and abducting. It's not logic. It doesn't make sense. You know. Well, why? you know how, much, how do... I think it's government. I think they're government and other entities uh, as a yes. coercion as a as a unit together it's a a government and a something else entity um <laughs> uh together a experiment i know what they're trying to do i think these um my own personal uh point on this is that i think these most of, of the abduction cases i think these beings um i think their bodies are breaking down because of these high energies now coming now in, and I think they're they're trying they're extracting DNA. They're trying to make new bodies, and I think with yes, the government sold you down the river years yeah, ago. Whatever they? you know, is this you know, yeah? It and, sounds like pie in the sky. No, right? it's, it's true, mate. You know, the, I I don't like the thing where the government says, "Oh, help me, government." We, uh, I want 
the government sold you down the river absolutely years ago. Man. Right. Anyway, we don't care what you think. We well, care, I, I'm we just care like, what Joshua And thinks. I think these... these no, no, no. I, these, I, I care what... They're not highly I, advanced civilizations. No way, mate. No, no way no. they are. They don't make a lot of sense from that aspect. That's, that's an angle that I... No. Honestly, like, that's an angle I hadn't considered, and I, I, I love it. My, my problem, and I, I've gotten a lot of flack on... Oh, God, Twitter. Uh, because for you know, yeah, I, I for, come off Twitter. For, I came off for Twitter. being well. I like Twitter better than Facebook, but I think yeah. I just I really should just try to find a way to get off social media in general. But uh, I I've gotten a lot of flack for questioning narratives, and it's not that I really have an axe to grind against any particular narrative. I'm not a fan of the ETH. The extraterrestrial hypothesis, because I think that there are some real, genuine metaphysical issues that are not conveniently answered by the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, uh, again, like high strangeness is what brought me back into. For a long time, I've talked about this. For a long time, I was, you know, convinced that alien abductions weren't real, and part of that was sort of a defense mechanism because I was terrified of the concept. Uh, uh, but what really brought me back in was the, the metaphysics was, you know, the, the high strangeness was the fact that people see dead relatives in the, you know, abduction experience. People see um, people have poltergeist phenomena post abduction experience, like all that stuff is really what uh, what resonated with me and, and really brought me back into this conversation in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, I'm not I'm not really. I'm not really against any particular uh, narrative, uh, and I and at the same and you know equally, I I don't think that I don't think that any one solution can answer anomalies in general. Mm. Um, you know, I I think that, and I've stated this multiple multiple times. I think that, you know, in terms of, you know, UFOs and that traditional sense of lights in the sky or anomalies in the sky, I think that the lion's share of it is misidentification and poorly understood natural phenomena and unorthodox terrestrial craft. But I think that there's a significant portion that is psi phenomena, that is spirit phenomena, and that perhaps might even be extraterrestrial phenomena. But people don't want to hear that there is not one solution for a lot of these things. They want there to be one solution, you know, aliens are here, man. And that's, it's, it's not, I don't, I think we all do ourselves a, a, a particular disservice with that. What, what about the, the, the people who say the research Bigfoot? And I was talking about this for Karen last week, but they say the research Bigfoot, but then when something that they determine is woo-woo or paranormal, they won't acknowledge that. It's like, you know, let's just say they like they get 25% of the cases that they look into have this element of uh, woo-woo, so so to speak, and but they, they won't acknowledge that. And it's like, it's just no way that's possible. You know, where do you stand on something like that and why? It's it's interesting because in in doing this new book with 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 Tim, you know, as much grief as I give the UFO community for being obsessed with nuts and bolts and and obsessed with the idea that it's literally extraterrestrials 
flesh and blood aliens coming down and, and these, you know, <laughs> these physical craft, um, the stigma against anything metaphysical is much stronger in the Bigfoot community. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to in the course of writing this new book who have said, you know, I submitted this to the BFRO, which is the Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot field research organization, the sort of, you know, the North American thing I submitted this to them and they didn't, they either threw my account away in some cases, or they didn't report any of it at all. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's so frustrating because when you're into these things, when you're interested in these things, you all live in glass houses. And I'm not saying that you have to believe that the earth is flat. I'm not saying that that's what you have to do, but I am saying that if you think that someone is credible because they said that they saw someone completely soberly, um, genuinely, earnestly, honestly says they saw Bigfoot walk across a road and look at them and, you know, nothing else happened. You have, you have to, if, if you take that seriously, you have to take seriously the example of someone who is walking through the woods and hears a voice that says in their mind, you know, don't follow me. And they look around and they see a Bigfoot. Like you have to, we, again, we all live in glass houses. This is all, for a solid 85% perhaps higher of the population of this planet. This is, this is goofy nonsense. And, and to, to, to believe in one person's experience because it conforms to your, again, your pet hypothesis that Bigfoot is just a monkey in the woods or that UFOs are just, you know, little green scientists coming from another planet to, 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 to accept that particular narrative because it conforms to what you want to be, uh, and then throw out odder things or odder stories is I, I feel like that's, that's the height of intellectual dishonesty. And, and for me, I, I feel like where we will actually make progress in terms of uncovering what truth, if any lies behind this stuff is in those stranger accounts. <clears throat> um, so I, I have, I have a real problem when people won't, to dismiss that sort of thing, because uh, again, as, as, as Tim has said throughout the process of writing this book with me, um, two things are apparent with regards to Bigfoot and large hairy hominids. Um, besides a lot of the skeptical, skeptical arguments, which I kind of use as ammunition now for my more woo woo ideas. <laughs> um, but besides that, uh, two things are apparent. Um, one is that it seems that there are strange things associated with a majority rather than a minority of Bigfoot encounters. Because, you know, the cryptozoologist will ask somebody, you saw Bigfoot cross a highway at 9 p.m. And they won't follow up and say, what else has happened in your life? You know, <laughs> you know, what was, you know, oh, there was poltergeist activity in your household when you were nine. Oh, that doesn't have anything to do with your Bigfoot sighting. Um, so, so that's, that's the one thing is that a lot of these sightings I think have some peripheral, some peripheral, uh, strangeness associated with them. And the other thing is that the people who tend to think that something like Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature 
and ape in the woods tend to be one-off sightings. There aren't people who have multiple recurring sightings. There aren't people who are habituating, which again, in the, you know, in the interest of complete transparency and honesty uh, could mean that we're dealing with different things. Um, but I, I suspect, I personally suspect that it's not, I suspect that just, it just happens to be that the people who are living with these things see something going on that is more metaphysical and has more to do with, has more to do with, uh, is more akin to rather, um, you know, fairy folklore and a lot of that, those sort of folkloric aspects that we see involving the spirit world worldwide. Hmm. Obviously they, uh, they, where the spirit people are, where the humans are, the spirit world, these cryptids also co-inhabit them. Can we say, um, I know with the, the, well, the, the fairies, the elves, which is the Divic kingdom. So, I mean, that's been, I've, I've delved into that one as well. You know, they, they exist as well. You know, you've got your gnomes. Uh, and so they must all exist in a different frequency. But, um, again, I know we're big for, or I know it's a dog man. They, <laughs> I know, I know, that's a, yeah, that's a different one again. Uh, Josh, we'll leave that alone for a while. Um, so, uh, um, ask, 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 ask him about the dog man. I'm sure I'll get a great rant from him uh, yeah, about yeah, dog yeah. man. He's a huge fan. <laughs> this is the this is the chap who actually I've never heard of the dog man about five years ago until Lee introduced oh, me Lord. to him. I yeah. thought he was a you know a werewolf movie. Anyway, um, so it. There is a pattern here where these cryptids or creatures, uh, they can go through the, the realms or they can go through the, you know, they, this is why they disappear. This is why nobody can track them. The, the tracks are then there. Um, you know, I don't believe they're living in caves. I don't believe that. Mm. I think they, I think they can go for, between the realms. And, and I think, um, man himself is not related to the monkey. We never came from the monkeys. I think we came from Bigfoot. That's my take. They're psychic. We we can be psychic. Humans can be psychic as well. Mm. So Bigfoot. So I think well, we're we're part of them. Hmm? That's just no, I'm not. It's just my opinion. So, uh, yeah. No, I, and and I I I I'm sympathetic to that idea. I think that uh, um, I think that. You know, there's not – I don't think that these things necessarily live, live underground. I'm, I'm with you on that. But I think there's an association with that uh, because I think that the data really does support that particular possibility. Um, and, again, it doesn't mean that they, like, literally go into – <laughs> they literally go into a uh, you know a, a, a abandoned mine or something and camp out and live, but I think that there's something again along more of the lines of some thinkers like Patrick Harper, um, uh, who's a if anybody has not read Demonic Reality, it's 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 sort of one of my urtexts for understanding a lot of the stuff. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that there's something profoundly psychologically, symbolically significant about subterranean, hidden, beneath metaphors and the way this phenomenon operates. It's the same reason that you find, again, Bigfoot, 
happen to, you know, hang out around mines. Uh, there's no shortage of, I mean, obviously, you know, fairies live underground in a lot of cases, but there's no shortage of, uh, of anomalies, including fairy folklore and fairy sightings and Bigfoot sightings in places that supposedly there's a buried treasure where the lake monsters live. They don't live on top of the lake. They live below the lake. And I think there's, there's a profound symbolic resonance with a lot of that vis-a-vis the subconscious. And this is stuff that, again, this is stuff that people who, and I don't blame you because I was not, (laughs) I was not, into these sort of ideas when I first got into uh, the paranormal myself. But these are ideas that are very difficult to get across to people who are obsessed with little green men and flying saucers and big hairy apes in the woods and ghosts are the souls of the dead. But I feel like they resonate so much stronger than a lot of those ideas, not discounting those ideas. I mean, I'm still kind of in the, I'm still kind of in the dead people hypothesis for a lot of ghost activity, but, but, uh, so, so, so while I, I think you're right, I think that there is a symbolism at play. And I think a lot of these things have a symbolism at play. Um, they're, they're, they're trying to communicate with us through symbol rather than, you know, literal, uh, literal experience. And so, so while I agree with you that, you know, I don't think that people, things rather, uh, and these, you know, these entities are literally retreating to the underworld. I think that there is a symbolic significance to the fact that there is this association with the underworld. Yeah. We, we can also go, I'll say that I, I believe in the realms of spirit realms, but these creatures, again, they could be, you know, going through them, uh, going from A to B, but then you've got, <laughs> We're talking about again a few weeks ago, Middle Earth. So you know, highly advanced civilizations beneath the Earth. Are they mm-hmm. down there? Yeah, it's another again. It's another possibility. I don't really believe that, but it's got. Uh, I don't know. I think humans humans like to project these ideas, don't they? They're like you know, you know, you've got J.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, he left a lot of clues in that. You know, that's a fantastic movie. I love the book more. The book more was more in depth. But he, uh, Middle Earth again. It's uh... well, it's 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 this very union idea that you know people don't have ideas; ideas have people. <laughs> so this mm-hmm. idea that that uh, there are certain ineffable realities or certain ineffable concepts. I mean, this actually this actually came up on not this Bob Lazar, Jeremy Corbell episode of the Joe Rogan experience, but the one before this actually, this concept actually came up, which I was, you know, a weird concept to hear on a quote unquote mainstream podcast. This idea that people in essence channel, um, ideas that have a certain objective reality or, you know, it's, you know, I think the example that, uh, that Joe Rogan was using, (laughs) love the meathead as I do was, uh, you know, some of Jimi Hendrix's work. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that there's, there's, there really is, is something to the idea that imaginary is not imaginal. Those two things are not synonymous. Um, you do, you do see points in history where, uh, cultures separated by, you know, by oceans, for example, they'll, they'll at the same time they'll come up with the same idea. Like you see the example of the pyramid, you know the pyramid. Yeah. Now <clears throat> the pyramids, 
I guess a little bit of a it's got a biases to it because obviously the easiest structures to build is the one that's bigger at the bottom and smaller at the top. So right. you know, if you just keep pouring things, you'll get a pyramid. So but obviously then they're a bit more complex than that, aren't a lot of them. So you but you see that and then you'll see you'll see other other examples of that throughout history where this this it's like uh, almost like the, the zeitgeist at the time is is this and then people just you know hop go go in uh, you know fall into it and you know maybe there is something to that no you you make an excellent point and that is part of the point that i i made or tried to make in sort of a, a trojan feats is that a lot of people look at that food taboo that we mentioned earlier you know you if you eat food in fairyland you'll be trapped in fairyland a lot of scholars will say, well, that's a variation on the Persephone myth, which is the idea that Persephone was trying to leave the underworld and she was given a pomegranate seed and she happened to eat that pomegranate seed. So she was trapped in Hades and only could come out for a limited time every year. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. If you are a (laughs) extremely rational, uh, you know, read obnoxious, um, historian slash scientist who just wants to view folklore in the old world. That's, that's, that's fine. But that particular motif, the food taboo motif, the idea that if you eat food in the other world, you're trapped in the other world. You cannot say that that's all a variation on the Persephone myth because you find that in New Zealand, you find that in South America, you find that in, you know, uh, as we mentioned with the sort of book list thing, uh, in mm. northwestern North America, you, you 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 find this across the oceans. So either you're saying that it's um it's all related to the Persephone myth, and there's cross pollination of a global prehistoric civilization, which I'm I'm up completely open to. That's <laughs> I love that idea. Or you're saying that there's an objective reality to this particular taboo. Um, and that was one of the things that was really compelling to me is how this is a recurring theme throughout a lot of cultures that, you know, in terms of the well-accepted, uh, narrative about the way that the world and prehistory was supposed to, supposed to quote unquote work. Yeah. Um, there shouldn't have been cross pollination, but they all had the same narrative that if you eat food in the other world, you're trapped in the other world. And I think the more parsimonious explanation for me personally is that there's some truth in that, that no, it wasn't that they shared a bunch of folklore and et cetera, et cetera. But that, no, if you go to the other world and you eat food in the other world, something about that traps you there. And I think that's, I think that's, I think it's a lot, you know, I think it's a, that's a lot simpler in an Occam's razor sort of scenario. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan these days of weaponizing Occam's razor against skeptics because I don't think a lot of them quite understand that particular concept. True. true. Uh, you, 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 there's two different types of skeptic. There's those who call themselves skeptics where they're actually debunkers uh, yeah, and yeah. deniers, you know, and then you've got, like you say, the open-minded skeptic, which is, Implorable. That's what you want, isn't it? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical the, the about more things than I'm not. And you've got the other absolutely. Where, yeah, you've got the other kind of skeptic where he just keeps taking the check and he's uh, lives in his big house. And, well, you got that one as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He keeps taking you know, the money and then debunking everything. Yeah. And and and, and no, I I completely agree. I I, I so this. I wish that we had we could unpack that term skeptic because I feel like it's 
it's more problematic than it should be because yeah. I think that skepticism is actually super healthy. You know, if, if, if you come to me on the street and say that, you know, you actually think that your head is full of jam, like I should be skeptical about that. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that it's become problematic when people aren't being really honest about that. Some of my favorite thinkers and, 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 you know, these sort of weird fringe subjects are skeptical people. And I tend to be skeptic myself. I mean, I will, I, here's a confession that I don't think I've ever made on, on a podcast, but I will talk all day about people's new age alien experiences. And when they come to me and they say, they, they, they actually give me their, you know, own, own sort of new age. You know, I was taken aboard a craft and I saw my past lives, my toes curl yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> You know, um, but it's so. So I think skepticism is healthy. And again, I don't demean these people, and I, I eventually come around to outside of the moment thinking, well, you know, this is their own personal truth. Um, but uh, I, I think skepticism is is a very healthy thing. And you're right; there's a difference between skeptics and debunkers, or as uh, my friend Micah Hanks says, small s skeptics and big S skeptics. Uh, I consider myself a skeptic in a lot of ways and, and, and skepticism doesn't just pertain to uh, phenomena. Skepticism also pertains to the, um, the avenues in which information is obtained, which is what I think is getting lost. You know, we mentioned the, <laughs> the, to the stars thing and the, you know, the, the sort of rocking ufology at this point. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's some there's something significant coming out of a lot of this stuff, but skepticism as to who is delivering the message, I think, is also really important. And I think that, again, comes back to this surety fetish that we a lot of people have, especially, I honestly think, Americans. People want things to be black and white or they want to say, is this real or not? Just get to, you know, you know cut, cut, cut to the quick. And nobody wants to sit with, as Terrence McKenna said, the uh, no one wants to sit with the mystery. No one wants to sit with the ambiguity of things. It might be true. It might not. Put that, you know, make yourself a new filing cabinet and put that in there. And that's not what a lot of people do. They either want to put it in the true or false cabinet and they don't have another cabinet for true for this person, for perhaps true or true until you know proven otherwise. And I think that that intellectually is what we really need a lot more of in these particular subjects. Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of, of that to some extent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same. You know, I've been listening to, I don't know, for example, a UFO, you know, someone that, an abduction story, uh, and then they'll mention something like, um, oh, I saw my soul in a jar or something like that, you know, yeah, well, and, and then the, I'll just switch it off. Again, it's it's just what, again, we, we said earlier about, you know, Bigfoot being on the UFOs, but, you know, another guy can be in that same room on the same table looking at the same place, and, it, you know, this guy sees Bigfoot, this guy could see a, I don't know, a giant rat, you know. I, mean, mm. I think it's what what they perceive or what they see on the craft, you know. I mean, I, well, the brain can fill in the blanks. Yeah, it can, that's, obviously, with this part of the problem. I mean, yeah. do you find that in any any of the, the fairy stories that you uh, came across where you you'd have multiple people see these things and, and only one 
one or two actually see what was there, and then other, and then the other people not. If you get me. Well, you know, I, I do, and that, that that's a recurring theme across a lot of these anomalies. I mean, yeah. it's not at all unheard of for someone to have an experience and say, "I saw this." Say, there's five people. Three of them will see this giant structured craft, and then two people will not see anything. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I don't think that. And, and this ties again into uh, psychedelics, I think, because I, I've talked to people, literally, personally, talked to people who have had shared visions while taking psychedelics. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is, according to our current materialist paradigm, should not be the way that this works. But it does. Well, there's a famous it happens. LSD experiment that was that. Uh, where people had shared visions. Yeah, but yeah. It's a thing. It's a yeah. thing. And, and and people don't want to really acknowledge that. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, you know, with regard to the fairy thing, I find it... F- so one of, one, one of my axes that I continuously grind, which is probably the third time that I've used that particular, <laughs> that particular analogy in our conversation, but, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, constantly fascinated by how much of the language around fairy folklore we still employ today. Mm. So the obvious example is like stroke, the fairy stroke. Well, you know, if you, someone has a stroke that is literally a reference etymologically to the idea that fairies, um, to the idea that fairies once literally touched you and gave you, you know, this, the, the symptoms that we now recognize as a uh, medical stroke, um, you know, sprites, sprites. Yep. You know, you want to go down to the, you want to go down to the, uh, the gas station and buy a Sprite. Well, that's, you know, pixels, pixies, um, you know, uh, co- cobalt of uh, the color cobalts, um, you know, glamorous, glamour, glamour yeah, very glamour. We live with fairy folklore, especially in the English speaking world. Yeah every damn day of our lives. And I don't know how this really slipped into the radar, but you were talking about people seeing different things and experiencing different things. Um, there is an entry in uh, one of uh, Catherine Briggs's books, which is the, she was one of the most prominent uh, fairy researchers. And there's an entry for it. And guess what it did? It was this 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 fairy named it would take on the form of your greatest fear. Yeah, all right. So it looked different yeah. to other people, and I don't think anybody has ever brought this up with an interview with Stephen King. But I cannot believe that that's a coincidence. Um, so I yeah. So coming back around to like you know there there's there's a precedent for people seeing things that are there in different ways. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people who are obsessed with stuff like, again, nuts and bolts, big monkeys in the woods. That's where they get hung up is on this idea that there could be differences in perception. And, uh, that's where an idea that's been championed by my mentor, Greg Bishop comes in, which was honestly has some antecedents in, uh, some other ufologists like uh, Andruffel did a uh, 
flying saucer review article on the same concept, but this idea of, uh, the co-creation hypothesis is what Greg calls it, which is this idea. And it's very Lovecraftian, this idea that you see something that cannot be processed. And there's some evidence to support this vis-a-vis information theory, which is one of the working theories of, of reality right now. Um, that you see something that you cannot quite process and you um, you sort of put a, a, a template on what you see, um, which again is, 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 is what happens in the, the climax of the, uh, the book it, <laughs> you know, that they, that they, they don't quite know what they're perceiving. So they graft onto that, this image of a giant spider, um, which is why the <laughs> the uh, the TV movie of it looks so bad is because they actually literally said let's do a giant spider. So it <laughs> says see how they do the second it movie that they're coming out with in theaters. Um, but uh, this idea that what we in Greg's words the idea that um, what we see is at least partially influenced by what we quote unquote bring to the dance. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, and I think that's a really, a really, um, economical way of looking at things like screen memories. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's, because that there's, it's, it's, it's all about with a lot of these experiences. And again, I, I, I have fewer experiences than many people I've talked to, present company included. But I think that a lot of these experiences involve theater. They involve symbolism. You know, I I think that, I mean, for example, if someone is really doubling down on the extraterrestrial hypothesis, um, we have more sophisticated ways of gathering DNA. You can literally swab the inside of your mouth than these aliens apparently do because they have yeah. to take like punch holes out of your body. Like it, it seems, it seems very much theatrical. Unless, and theatrical, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. they enjoy that element of it. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> so, a- alien, you know, wanking off in the corner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, there, there seems to be some sort of degree of the, the medium seems more important than the message where the message seems more important than the medium, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of these stories. So that's sort of where I fall with in terms of individual perception, uh, which is a very roundabout way of answering your question. But I, I mean, made sense. I've had that, that uh, scenario play out um, in my life as well, where I, mean, I was driving home with this guy and uh, this guy is uh, an ex fisherman. He's, uh, you know, salt of the earth. He's, he's not, uh, not prone to uh, flights of fantasy. And he, um, he pointed out this object to me, which he could clearly see in the sky. It was dark, and he could see this object, and uh, he said it was a triangle shape, but, and all this, and I could not see it for the life of me. We even pulled over at the side of the road. We got out of the car, and we, we, we walked over to this uh, where you could see this uh, where you could see this object. And he was pointing at, it and he was you know he was getting a bit frantic about it, but I just couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. Um, well, and and I I think that's something that. A variation of that appears in a lot of this different lore. I mean, um, so you'll have people who will see something strange and be like, yeah, okay, cool. 
I mean, they're, they're at least, you know, I know that you mentioned you're having Tim on, uh, you know, there's at least two experiences that Tim is related to me of, of people who have, uh, he's been in the car with and Tim's been like, holy crap, that's a, that's a Panther on the side of the road, which, you know, Panthers and Cougars, well, Cougars aren't supposed to exist east of the Mississippi and certainly Panthers shouldn't exist because there's never been a melanistic, uh, Cougar ever recorded in North America. But, you know, Tim saw this thing. And the guy was like, yeah, uh, cool. And that, that parallels in, in the number of people who wake up and see, you know, days later they'll say, I woke up and I saw this strange Bigfoot face in the, in the, in the window. Or they'll wake up and they'll say, I mean, like, you know, a good friend of mine, Mike Cleland, um, uh, woke up and saw a bunch of alien greys marching towards his home, backlit by this bright light. And he had a voice in his head say, well, now it's time to go back to sleep, and that's that's the thing is that there, it seems to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But he yeah. did. Yeah. But he did. I'd stay and, for that one, wouldn't you? And that that ties into this idea, which is a motif that you find in fairy lore and Bigfoot lore and alien abduction lore: the unrousable spouse. The idea that you know, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. trying to wake your wife or your husband up, and you're shaking them violently, and they just won't wake up in the in midst of this insane thing happening and i think that speaks to the fact that there is a very personalized aspect of of this stuff and again this is the dialogue that in at least on at least in america is not getting addressed in light of you know people fetishistically talking about nuts and bolts spacecraft quote-unquote spacecraft indeed i wanted to ask you about um Another parallel that seems to crop up, because in the old fo- fairy folklore, you see these people, these families, uh, like it's particularly Irish uh, families, you'll see this with the, the banshee, they'll have their own yeah, one, the banshee, yeah. um, this kind of stuff. And sometimes <laughs> this goes along into the fairy uh, stuff as well. They'll have their own fairy, you know. Well, obviously the banshee goes into the witches kind of category. Yeah, but the it? fairies, they'll have like, their own fairy. This particular house will have its own fairy or whatever. Mm. This particular area will have its own, like the bogger in, in, in yeah, Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. It's just saying, you know, you'll get this uh, area of place. And and I, and I wonder if uh, there's a parallel there between what we see in the UFO field where we see, um, like... For example, a mother will be abducted, then she'll have a child, and the child gets abducted. This this uh, plays into sort of genetic, like a genetic link. Um, I I wonder if you've come across that, you know, between the fairy the, the fairy stories that you get, uh, and obviously the alien ones. So so this is going to sound snarkier than I mean it to, and I, I say this with all the love in my heart. But are you kidding me? <laughs> like so, so 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 I mean, like it's it's laughable. I mean, I I, I so I. And again, this is not a commentary on you at all. Um, it's just it's no, it's I've so had, I've had worse. <laughs> well, it's just it's it's so startling to me how much these two communities don't talk with one another. Yeah, because you know the ufologists are like fairies are silly, and the fairy people are are tend to tend to be more you know entrenched in the folklore thing. But like for me, sitting on, from the outside, it's like, are you? kidding me i mean this is this is so your your particular question your particular point about you know the 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 good folk being attached to certain families and sort of manifesting time and again over the course of generations is one of the main 
points that's addressed in several of the books uh, written by David Jacobs. And David Jacobs is one of I, I I have I have <laughs> we could do a separate podcast on my problems with David Jacobs, both ethically and uh, intellectually. But he is one of the most prominent uh uh, alien abduction researchers that are out there right now. And one of, he has chapters in all of his books. He's, I believe he's released three, the threat, uh, the, the threat is the one I'm thinking of there, but I believe he's written three, three books. Um, but, uh, he's written chapters about how there is a generational aspect to this. So that if you're, parent was an abductee, their child will be an abductee. And they you know, if, if they, if they marry someone who's a non abductee, their children will, in other words, the abductee gene is, is sort of a, a dominant gene as it were. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poking fun at you at all. It's just, it's, 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 there's, again, I, I come, keep coming back to the fact that it's, it's such a strong correlation between, the folklore around the good folk and around alien abduction. And, uh, that's, that's definitely one of the things. I mean, he's, he's, he's written a bunch of stuff about that. It's kind of become a meme, if you will, in, in, uh, modern alien abduction research is that if your parent was an abductee, you're probably going to be an abductee, which again, not only do you find that as you mentioned, you know, with, you know, houses being associated with the Banshee, and with uh, fairy contact, but you'll also find that with changelings. I mean, like you know, there was there's some evidence folklorically to suggest that fairy changelings would be passed down um, from generation to generation, if not you know within the same generation, people you know having children that were quote unquote changelings. And that's you know the, the changeling idea is sort of a nuanced idea because I think there's some conflation with with uh, medical issues yeah. within that. Um, I think if you're looking at that realistically, you have to acknowledge that. Um, but, like, like, uh, but deformities, but, for example. Yeah. And I'm not sure that those things are particularly mutually exclusive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there, there, there seems to be a genetic aspect to a lot of this stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, that your question is absolutely on point. <laughs> I didn't mean to be condescending at all. If I was, no, no, um, it's just it's one of those things where I just I wish that, and I feel like the the folklore community is more interested in ufology than the ufological community is interested in folklore, and it boggles my mind that we're not looking at these things or that these communities don't cross pollinate more than the, than they do. Yeah, I um, wish because, they did. I wish they did. Yeah. Do you find that? I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I know there's a link there, but I don't know about the Bigfoot side of things. I mean, do you find that same thing there, where you know a father will have a, an encounter, then the, then the son will have an encounter, for example? It's 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 not as um, it's a bit more rare, is it? So well, I mean, so in, if, if you're looking at so there was a thing in ufology where in like the '60s and '70s. <laughs> Uh, the term repeater was used to talk about people who had repeat UFO sightings and they were generally viewed as less um, credible. credible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
and now the current thinking, which I completely agree with, is that the more sightings you have, the more <laughs> reliable it is because it seems to be so personally based. It seems to be so um, individualized. It seems to be that people tend to have experiences. So, yeah, I mean, that that's something that you see. I would. I don't think it's quite as as pronounced as, and this is just me shooting off the off the hip. I don't think it's quite as pronounced as it is in you know ufology. But um, mm. people who see Bigfoot once also tend to be like, yeah, I saw you know, I saw a Sasquatch four or five other times crossing the road, and it's like there are people who dedicate their lives to seeing these things and don't see it once. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on. No, I mean, I, I'm the same. I used to, yeah. that would be my, my thought, you know, someone, who, someone would see one and you think, Oh, wow. But then they'd say, Oh, I've seen, you know, three or four times. And you, you, you I don't know what, it's just inbuilt in us to, to think, well, that sounds like bullshit now. You know what I mean? But, no. but if there's something there, which, which stands to reason why, why they're, you know, they're having these experiences more than, uh, more than once, particularly when you take the, you know, this this aspect of um, I don't know if you call it psychic ability or this, you know, the way the Bigfoot can communicate with people over distances and stuff. So I don't know, maybe there's something to all that. But um, I think yeah, I definitely think uh, you know we'll link some some kind of psychic link. Definitely link some. Some people can hear them, some people can't. Uh, yeah. I think that one of the biggest failings of a lot of anomalous communities is not thinking of things in terms of Venn diagrams, right? So a Venn diagram, if you look at one, doesn't say that everything is one thing or the other thing, but it's saying that there's a significant portion of overlap, you know? Um, and I will go into fisticuffs if someone says that there's not a significant overlap in a Venn, di- a Venn diagram of fairy lore and UFO lore and Bigfoot lore and ghost lore. Like that's, they all meet in the center and I'm not saying it's all the same thing, but I'm saying that there's something shared there. Yeah. And I, I strongly, I strongly believe that. Um, and you know, and, and the repeater thing is something that has become part of, Again, like it was, it was, it was frowned upon in the you know fifties, sixties, seventies, as you know, oh, you saw UFOs eight times. Well, that's you know, that's that's a bunch of you know BS, and that's not the case nowadays. And I I totally agree that that shouldn't be the case um, because it tends to be that people. It's more about the person than it is about the phenomena itself, objectively manifesting in people's lives. Sure, people have one-off sightings, but. When you talk to people and you spend enough time in this, you find that people tend to have recurring things happening. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, I just got to say thank you very much for joining us today. Um, thank you, Joshua. It's been fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Let's, let's, let's do it again because, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I promise I'll be a lot easier to get hold of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, well, it does happen, like I said at the beginning, you know, these things... Well, uh, I'd just like to finish difficult. and say that, you know, obviously that you get these people who sort of talk to Bigfoot, they've heard Bigfoot and that, you know, heard the voices and talking. How do I know, you know? It's like a, a, a psychic saying to me, oh, I've got, you know, I've got so-so here, you know, he's talking to me. Well, 
they could be to talk to somebody else. You know, I've got your dad here. Well, I don't know if it's my dad. It could be somebody else. It could be spirit or some yeah. other person, you know, impersonating my dad. You know? So. No, I, 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 that, that's something that rarely gets addressed. And, Ooh. um, and I feel like it's rife in a lot of uh, spiritualist phenomena and, and whatnot is the idea that, you know, there's a great book written, uh, The Trickster and the Paranormal by George P. Hansen. Um, it's a great book. People misinterpret what he's trying to say. They think that there's literally a trickster, capital T trickster, yeah. demigod out there. That's not what he's talking about. But the trickster archetype manifests itself throughout a lot of these topics time and again. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, it's just like with Ouija board, you know, are you my grandmother? Yes. Oh, well, I just am assuming that whatever this is that we're contacting with isn't lying. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, I can, I can find somebody two houses down that will, you know, for, for five bucks will lie <laughs> their teeth off. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and so I, I think you're completely right. I think that we need to be skeptical of, of, of not only the message, but also the messenger. And I totally completely agree with you. Yeah, indeed. So, um, do you just want to tell people a little bit about your books and uh, where they can find them? Yeah. So, um, my first book is uh, a Trojan feast second, which is all about, you know, we sort of touch on this, the food and drink offerings and anomalous experiences. Second book is The Brimstone Deceit, which is all about smells in the paranormal. Um, it sounds a little bit like a evangelical Christian book. It's not, <laughs> I promise. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just all about not only the smell of sulfur or sulfur compounds, um, but it's also about just all sorts of smells that are seen across all of paranormalia. Yep. And the latest book is uh, Thieves in the Night, which is a book on uh, paranormal child abduction. Uh, I have an essay published in Woodnox Volume 3 by David Weatherly and an essay published in UFOs Referring the Debate by Robbie Graham. My next uh, book is going to be a two-parter. I say two-parter. I, I assume it's going to be a two-parter because I don't think anybody's going to want to buy, you know... <laughs> A giant thick book so uh, it's gonna be a two volume set uh with timothy renner uh entitled the, the title is set the title is where the footprints end which is looking at uh where just all these sort of anomalies associated with bigfoot the stuff that flesh and blood cryptozoologists don't want to fully engage with mm-hmm. and that should be coming that should be coming out uh sometime this fall and i'm i'm really excited about it i'm ready to have it out <laughs> Tim, if you're listening, keep writing. <laughs> Let's finish this. So, yeah, well, it yeah. needs to, it needs to happen. It needs to be addressed. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's fantastic. All this is coming out, and uh, you know, you, everybody's putting their pennies in now, trying to get the truth out there and mm. wake a, wake a few more people up. You know, see what's happening in the world. Uh, well, yeah, the more we can I, wake up, the better. I reckon, Joshua. Definitely. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, it was funny until this sort of TTSA shenanigans took over. I thought that ufology was moving more towards metaphysics, more towards psi phenomena. And then this shifted the conversation back towards nuts and bolts, which part of me, my conspiratorial side thinks that's not entirely coincidence. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at the same time, uh, I, I do see, 
uh, the Bigfoot community moving more and more towards uh, talking about the stranger aspects. And, uh, you know, right now where I sort of fall on Bigfoot is that it's a physical manifestation of the wild man archetype. Yeah. That somehow we're projecting that out, and that's the reason why these footprints are. And that's, that's sort of where Tim and I are personally at right now. Hmm. Not completely writing off the flesh and blood thing, but uh, it's – I've I've gone on record saying this a couple times. Um, I like I like all my books, but this book feels quote unquote more important to me than the other ones. And that's not that's not you know marketing hype. That's just genuinely genuinely how I feel. So yeah, indeed. Yeah. No, I think it will. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll it will open that other side, which needs looking at. It needs addressing, like I say. And well, I've it said will that, open I've it said for a long time now. You know, you've got solid and liquid and your gases. You know, but then you've got the etheric. And the super etheric, and you've got atomic mm-hmm. and subatomic, which these creatures use. Allegedly. You know, allegedly. Okay, allegedly. All right. <laughs> but this is unfair. no, but yeah, this, yeah, this is the true metaphysics, not something ego. This is you know the, the stuff we used at school today. You know, is kiddie stuff. We want the true metaphysics. You know, the true sciences. Yeah, well, you have to catch one first. Well, again, okay, but the these ether, these creatures, yeah, 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 yeah. these creatures know how to use it mate. indeed we've well, just we I, humans have just forgotten how to use it mate. i know um i know you're a gifted musician I, have you got anything there to hand that you could play for us or is it all packed away uh it's, it's all packed away <laughs> so, so here's the thing it's not like you know you have a trumpet case and you just like bring your trumpet up you know it's it's a tuba so if you're not playing sousaphone which you know wraps around you and it's got you got to put it together and there's lead pipe breaks off and all this stuff um but it's it's you know it's a 35 pound thing that's sitting in my in my uh room downstairs and <laughs> I love you guys, but I'm not going to do it right now. It's Maybe right. next time, Josh, yeah, I'll get you now. I'll get you next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll but, get but, you next you time. Know, I, I can shoot you some uh, some MP3s and stuff if you, yeah, yeah. you want me to. I've, yeah, I've got I've right. seen a couple of your stuff on YouTube. Like, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, so we'll oh, great, thanks, man. Yeah, we'll we'll play that to some of the listeners, won't we? Yeah, indeed. We'll add it to the show. Yeah, you can send us an MP3 if you want. I'll yeah, play a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Gentlemen, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for brightening up my Saturday morning, and thank you for all your patience. <laughs> no, absolutely not a problem. I and mean, we'll speak again. Definitely, absolutely. Please, anytime. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Cheers, Joshua. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Right. Take care. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. I'll be back.